0: Welcome to another edition of the Two Dogs podcast. My name's Kevin Hillier. It would be nice to be cheering on the red, white and blue into the long finals campaign, but that's not to be. So we'll give you something to cheer about here by uh, celebrating the careers of a couple of great players, two terrific blokes and really good characters uh, involved in our football club. And we do that, of course, with thanks to our past players and official sponsors, have uh, been terrific uh, supporters during this year and for many years in in some cases and we look forward to uh, them being part of uh, supporting us again in uh, in 2023 Dave Boxall from uh, Midway Concrete and and Garden and Building Supplies uh, Justin Whitford from PFG Australia Dave Marsh from Flash Fabrications and of course uh, Noel Pearce from uh, the Australian Luggage Company. Great supporters. Great to see him at the Games during the year and I'm sure we'll see him next year at the Games too and we'll have plenty to cheer about. Now, let's talk about with these two gentlemen. Uh, just over 300 games between them, 188 games for Jim Edmond, and 119 games for Bruce Reed. They both uh, went to other clubs after their initial uh, start uh, in the same year at the Bulldogs, uh, Reedy of course went off to Carlton for a little while, and uh, Jim went to Sydney and the Bears, but both have sort of circled back around to the uh, the Bulldogs of recent years. Even though uh, Bruce obviously has uh, a young man still running around, uh, very proudly uh, running around for the Swans and doing very well, uh, and young Sam. So uh, let's get to it. Bruce Reed, Jim Edmond, a couple of great doggies here on the Two Dogs Podcast. You both came to the Dogs in the same year, but that's, that's what it says in the books. But when, what year did you come to the Dogs, Bruce? Uh, I think it was
1: 1977, so I think I'm pretty sure that's right. So, yep. yeah, that particular time Jim had more remember Jim was yeah, black curly hair, and he uh, <laughs> Pretty green, pretty unworldly and not sophisticated like
0: me, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, nothing's changed about Jim then. What, what year did you come down, Jimmy? Did you come down in 77 or did you come down before that?
2: Um, I came down before that on a thing called the, the permits. I used to get kids from the country and you come down and play some seconds games and I'd have a look at you. So I, I did that in 76, but I, I came down full-time in 77, same as Bruce.
0: And you both made your debut in that 77 season. Now, Jock, you were, I think you were first cab off the rank. You were round two against Melbourne mm-hmm. at the Witton Oval in front of 18,297 people. Yeah, okay. <laughs> right. And a win. It was a win for the Doggies that day by 21 points, and you had four kicks, one mark and one handball. What do you remember about yeah.
2: it? Well, I remember they thought that uh, they would ease me into the game on a half-back flank. And uh, I'd never been a backman in my life. Um, and I came up against a guy called Ross Brewer, and I had no idea where he was. He kicked four goals on me, and I got dropped the next week. <laughs> in a so that was, that was me into it. <laughs> All
0: right, and a couple of rounds later in round five, Bruce, you made your debut. You know, most I know a uh, game I want to talk to you both about because, Jimmy, you played in this one. You're back in the team by this stage. A draw against St Kilda.
1: Bruce? Yeah, that's right. I uh, I think I played on uh, Cowboy Neil, and um, at that particular time, he was uh, probably getting towards the end of his career. So I had a little bit of speed on him because he was pretty skinny then. That's all I remember.
0: <laughs> uh, and that was a draw. Do you remember that?
1: Uh, well, not really. But, but I'll say <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well, it was. It, it, it's a poignant moment for both of you. So it's a draw. You kick a point that day, Bruce. What were you doing down in the ford line?
1: Um. I think I was half forward flank, and um, thanks for refreshing me, uh, Kevin. I kicked a point, did I? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you kicked. Well, it was, was a bit, draw,
0: so it could have been the pivotal point. And Jimmy, kicked, Jimmy kicked his first goal.
2: Uh, hey, Bruce, do you re- remember back then? You and I used to change on a half forward flank and then go onto the
1: ball. That's right. Billy Goggin um, put you and I ruck roving for a while, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah
0: that's right. Holy dolly, uh, you two ruck yeah. roving. We
2: showed potential. (laughs) Most of my career, Kevin, I never went past the chase the man past the uh, centre line. Once you went past there, I forgot about it.
0: (laughs) When you when you sort of came down, Bruce, did anyone uh, grab you and say, "Okay, well, I'll I'll look after you and and make sure you're you're all right and you, you settle in, okay"?
1: Yeah, um, I remember first coming down. I mean, as a young guy, same as probably Jim here, you're in a bit of an awe. There, you see uh, Bernie Quinlan, Laurie Sandlins, Gary Dempsey, all those guys, and and uh, you know I could go on. And even Wills, but don't tell him that. Uh, you <laughs> sort of <laughs> you're sort of in awe, awe of all, all those uh, those guys. So it's uh, it's all pretty new, and I was pretty quiet. But I just I was just thinking before too, I should have added about Jim. The, the special thing about Jim was his. Um, was his legs actually? They had a sort of Western look about them. So, but but he, <laughs> I wondered whether they'd be good for him. But it, it, the history shows it was, and he ended up pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: you did have bow legs, didn't? Or you still do have bow legs? I would assume, James. Yeah, nothing's changed. You, you're six foot, but you played. You, you are six foot, aren't you? Yeah, or, yeah. So, but you played. You played much bigger than a, a six foot bloke.
2: Yes. I, I, I sort of played to them more more as a as a, a tall forward than a small forward. So yeah, I don't know if that helped me or not.
0: Did anyone look after you when you when you came down? I mean, obviously you'd had that little bit of experience in the twos as a as a that in seventy six. But when you came down in seventy seven and it was full on, and you were here for good, did someone grab you and say, "Look, old Did a Bernie Quinlan grab you and look after you
2: or whatever? Well. The players did, but the actual football club didn't. You, you were on your own. I mean, we were we were young blokes. but Chris is a bit older than me, but you know, I was down there at eighteen, and I didn't get any help off the ground, on the ground uh, at the actual club. Yeah, there was some there were some really talented players. I mean, I think one of the the best players I've seen was Bernie Quinlan. He used to grab the young guys at training and go through the different drills with them, and Match up with you, so he, he was he was terrific. Yeah, he, he was a marvelous player.
0: Yeah. Did the fact, Bruce, that you you know you had family connections at the club prior to to you coming down, did that did that help any in sort of assimilating into becoming a, uh, a footballer?
1: I should mention, yeah, my brother John was there at that particular time, so that uh, that gave me a little bit of help. I mean, uh, you were sort of part of that club, and you you. you yeah, it's very as I said. You're pretty much an awe at that time, and it's, your head spinning being young guy, as young guys would be nowadays too. So, it's, uh, but having my brother there certainly helped. Yes. Yep.
0: Yeah. And your your uh, your older brother Jim had played some games at Carlton a few years before you came down.
1: Is that right? Yeah,
2: yeah, he did actually. He played. Um, I'm not sure how many, but uh, yeah, he played at Carlton for a couple of years. But he, uh, we we were we were um, emigrated from Scotland, so. I got here when I was five, and he got here when he was fifteen, and he was playing AFL by the time he was about eighteen, and he still didn't know the rules. And <laughs> it was all just you know, so he—that wasn't his number one love. His number one love was weightlifting, but he was just a big, strong, um, mobile, good ball handling and stuff like that. So he, you know, he ended up playing league footy, and he probably didn't know half the rules at the time.
0: Yeah. Uh, and what, he got a silver medal, I think, at the Commonwealth Games in weightlifting?
2: Yeah, he did that too. So, know yeah, that was his first love. And But the funny thing is now he absolutely loves football now. I mean, he follows it a lot more than I do. But at the time, it was just a, just a game he didn't really know much about.
0: Bruce, what were you doing? I mean, you come down from the bush. You're not full-time professional footballers. It's, a, it's very much a... Not a hobby, but uh, it's very much a secondary thing to your, to your work life. What were you doing in your work life when you first came down?
1: Um, as everyone in those days, we did have another job. I, was a t- I taught for three years. Um, I was a teacher, a primary school teacher for three years when I first came down. Then uh, myself and my wife, Case, started businesses. But uh, everyone had a, at that particular time, not like today, obviously. Um, we, we, were, we all had other things to do.
0: Was it Was it an easy balance? Was it a balance you enjoyed doing those two things, or would you have liked to have had a crack at being a full time footballer?
1: Oh, I think it'd be oh well, yeah, it would be uh, certainly. Um, well, that's the reason the skills are so good nowadays too. I think, a um, you know, different, it's nearly a different game now. But uh, it's uh, it certainly would have helped uh, improve parts of your game, and I think you would have got more feedback. A lot of those in those days, we can get a lot of feedback of how we're going or or where, where we could improve. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it would have been a good time to play when, when it became full-time. What were you doing, Jock? Um, well, I had done my um, HSC and I came down and I had every intentions
2: of going to teachers' college, but that got side railed And, and um, I had a, quite a few different jobs early on when I was 18, 19, 20. But just on your point about full-time, I, I think it's a double-edged sword, really. It's, um, and as far as the football goes and, and the money and, and the care and, and being looked after, yes, absolutely. Today would be mar- marvellous in that aspect. But, but I, I only think that you can – I think you can be a little bit, a bit insulated too. If all, all you've got is football and you're surrounded by football and people talking football, football. And Bruce and I had other jobs. So, you know, we, we would make contact with other people outside of the game and, and then you come to training. So there's a balance in that, which I, I liked. But as far as the professionalism and, and their skill and just how good the kids are now, you know, there's no doubt about that.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's sort of like a bubble existence. And, and Bruce, you've seen it obviously with with Ben and Sam. Your two boys have gone on to play be Premiership players in the modern day. Um, how have you seen that from from your point of view of you know a player who was a, a part-time footballer, and now you're watching your two boys as full-time footballers.
1: Yeah, I think um, Jim's got a really good point there. I think uh, yeah, they do live in a bit of a bubble, and they uh, uh, they certainly probably miss that outside world stuff to see how, how other people survive and, and live. And it actually, I think it's probably a bit of a shock for them now once their career finishes, and that's uh, that's going to be a certainty. <laughs> uh, everyone comes to a finish in the at, 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 in, in sport and football, so it's uh, be a bit of a, an eye opener uh, once once they finish. Um, you no, know, even when we played part time, I think I you find feel a bit of a loss what I'm going to do with myself. Even when we were part time, but now I imagine it'd be a a lot bigger loss for the young players.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. Um. Uh, without sounding like three old blokes talking around, you and know, going back in the day. Did you, yeah. Do you reckon you enjoyed your footy more than the current players do, Jim? Because it wasn't everything that you know. It wasn't the be all and end all, and it was a real thing that you look forward to, not something
2: you had to do. Well. I don't know about the actual football, but we certainly did off the ground. <laughs> um, we, um, yeah, there was, was a lot more, um, it was a different era too. There wasn't mobile phones, there weren't people trying to take photos of you and and, and the media scrutiny wasn't like it is today. I mean, there's all sorts of people in the media now trying to take pot shots of people to get a big name for themselves. And, you know, they're under, under a fair bit of scrutiny now, which we weren't. But I, I think it's actually playing the game um, today would be brilliant because just the care and the, the um, mythology that goes into it all and, yeah, those two aspects have, have, have certainly changed. Yeah.
0: I mean, when you look back, Bruce, you played 119 games all up and Jock, you played 188. And did you did you enjoy them as much as, you know, people look at that record now for you too and go, oh, you must have had a great time playing in the, in the sort of 80s.
1: Oh, oh, yeah, you have like any sport, you had your ups and downs. I mean, I enjoyed it. I mean, I played for 10 years and probably towards the last two, I'd lost a little bit of enthusiasm for the game. And I think probably uh, um, it depends on the individual too. I mean, uh, some guys actually love it. And uh, my, my son, Ben, absolutely loves the game. And now he's coaching up in Wangaratta area. But I, I probably never loved it to the, the level he did. Um, but it, I think it depends on that individual player how much they actually love the game. My interest changed a bit towards the end, um, but uh, uh, it's just uh, it would be nowadays, as Jim said, with the care and, uh, and the time you have to put in the skills and you will be a better footballer for it. And, 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 but, you know, I think it comes down to that individual player, um, how much they enjoy it.
0: Yeah, I understand that so jim tell us, tell me the details tell us the details about leaving the club in in eighty five What happened there
2: uh well, it was the um I came to the end of my contract and began the negotiations with the club. I think they had the attitude that you know it doesn't matter what they offered me for a new contract that I'm not going to go, so I felt like they were taking me for granted, so you know we had a successful year. Um, I was the captain of the club, we made preliminary finals, um, had a three-year contract which was ending and started again but they just refused to negotiate. So I took that personally, I I, I did not like being taken for granted so it was a mess, it just ended up a mess and uh, there was no winners in it.
0: Uh, Sydney caught you or how how did that sort of play out?
2: Well... Sydney got wind of uh, what was going on. Um, I don't know how, but you know what the football world's like. And um, <laughs> and they made me a, a huge offer. They made me an offer that was well over twice what I was asking for at the Bulldogs. Um, so, you know, I did not want to go and I was prepared to sacrifice that, but I still got, could not get any negotiations from the, from the football club. So, yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, do you regret that? Oh, gee, yeah, I, I regret leaving. I regret that I was put in that situation, and I, you know, my heart wasn't in going to the Swans. I, I didn't want to be there, really. You know, no, no fault of theirs, but you know, I, I wanted to stay at the Bulldogs, but but I wasn't going to be taken for granted. So it was, a, you know, it's a no-win situation.
0: No offer of a pink helicopter could uh, could entice you.
2: Oh well, no, I ended up. it <laughs> wasn't <to> do, <laughs> good. Uh, wasn't to do with this pink helicopter. I can guarantee you that. Hey, I, I yeah, I didn't think
0: the Bulldogs had come up with a pink helicopter to, to, to match the Sydney off of it anyway. Um, oh, I, I see, Yeah, I, I took it
2: the other way. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, but the Bulldogs certainly didn't have a pink helicopter. But, yeah. um, what about your
0: situation, Bruce, at the end of the '82 season? What happened there?
1: Uh, Look, I think I probably um, felt felt like uh, I was a bit out of favour for some reason, and um, um, so I wasn't sure of my future. So I thought I better just um, <laughs> maybe put some feelers out. I didn't uh, at that particular time. So and I got a call from David Park, and at that particular time when I thought, well, maybe I'm not required anymore, and uh, and then uh, it sort of went from there. So. You Know no good feeling. I mean, I love the time at Footscray, my whole family are bulldog mad. Uh, <laughs> the Reeds, uh, where my father played there 27 yeah. games, oh, and uh, but uh, at that particular time, um, I just thought, oh, it looks like my future not, might not be here, I'll put out some feelers, and uh, I was just uh, lucky that Carlton picked me up at that, that time. Yep, Do you enjoy your, your, your stint at Carlton? Uh, I did, yeah, I made some good friend, friends there, and uh, I had four years there, so. I did. It was we had, as you as you know, turmoil at um, at the Dogs Pride. of my moving too. Um, they were even though we had a great time, as Jim just said earlier, socially and, and other things. And you know the guys were great, but uh, we had a lot of turbulent times. But it, uh, it was like a uh, chalk and cheese uh, with uh, Carlton compared to the Dogs at that when I moved, where the training at Carlton and the were successful, and and uh, it was the the regime of t- training at that time to what I was used to. But I think foot. Bulldogs changed pretty quickly after that too, though, and they were had some good years. Yeah. But, uh, it was uh, we had some pretty turbulent and some some you know, not not the best people in their roles um coaching. So it uh, uh, and that's no reflection on because I think Bluey took over when I left, but that's no reflection on Bluey either. Yeah, I mean I, I I was a friend of his and he was a good guy, but um, that particular time I just felt like I, I, I was on the outer a bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jock,
0: did you enjoy your time in Sydney? Had one year in Sydney, a couple
2: at the Bears. Did you did you? Enjoy your footy? Um, it was different, Kevin. It, um, I started off playing pretty well. I got hurt. And, uh, you know, you're the new guy up there and you're getting, getting paid with money and I got pressured to play when I probably shouldn't have and hurt it again. And you know, it started the start of, start of the slide then, you know, and then it became really difficult. But, um, no, I would say... Now football changed for me when I left the dogs. You know, I really love my time at the dogs, and I love the people around
0: the place. Is eighty five your fondest memory that year? That uh, pretty reasonable side and nearly made a you know went bloody close to a grand final. And uh, yeah, and the camaraderie around the club at that stage was as good as I've ever seen it.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was great, wasn't it? Um, yeah, that was a good year. We've we had some good years. We we had some wonderful players the players were terrific and that we tried our hearts out and we kept, you know, we, in my time, we lost um, Bernie Quinlan, Gary Dempsey. You know, we, we lost players all the time for whatever reason. But, you know, thanks, thankfully now, um, the club is, is really strong and professionally run. But uh, there was a stage there. Well, for an example, when I first got to the club, the social club and the football club weren't talking to each other. So the players that were locked out of the social club <laughs> worked that one out. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: no, it doesn't make any sense. Some of that political stuff that went on behind the scenes It wasn't exactly a yeah. purple patch of success when you got there, uh, Reedy, was it uh, for, for you or for Jim those first four or five years?
1: Yeah, because I, I think the year before uh, Jim and I, 77, I think Fo- uh, Footscray made finals. And I mean, yeah, they did. Yeah. They were looking really good. And if they'd kept hold of the players at that time, as Jim said, you know, you can make a list of players who moved on. I think they could have had a successful era, but that didn't happen. I think the, the club were financially struck and, uh, um, you know, it's, uh, the history shows a different result. But it was a bit unfortunate they let so many players go and uh, um, and then in the, the club, I think, the, the, as I said, all the guys were great, but it was just that you can't just keep getting rid of guys to, to pay bills. <laughs> so yeah. uh, that was that was the situation at that time.
0: Yeah. What's your what's your fondest memory of your time at the noble Bruce?
1: Um, I think the whole thing was a great memory. Yeah, um, the players and um, the friends you make. You know, success wasn't there, uh, <laughs> but we had some some good parties and good end of season trips, which are. Uh, all, all information is buried, and you'll never unlock that information, Kevin. But, uh, <laughs> we, were, we had some good times there, even though we were, you know, unsuccessful. But uh, I mean, as a group, as a group, and as uh, and friends and people, was you know, you still catch up with it. Was great.
0: Yeah, Jock, you're club captain for three years. Is that is that rank in the sort of highest echelons
2: of your footy accolades? Yeah, that was that was a real honour to to do that. Um, you know, getting back onto on, on the succession, in, in 85, you know when we, I was a skipper and we had a, a really good team, you need a bit of luck to win a, a grand final, and we we didn't get that luck because the, the Bombers ended up beating Hawthorne, and we had the good on the Bombers that year, yeah. but we always struggled against Hawthorne. We, we didn't get across the line, and, and that would have helped the football club immensely, that you know, a grand final. A Premiership just brings in all the supporters and all the money, so we missed one there, which was a problem. And then down the track, um, with Terry Wallace, you know, the, the one with Libba where he got touched through. What year was that, Kevin? '97. Yeah, so close there, so we missed another opportunity there to you know flood in all the new members and everything. So, yeah, sometimes things don't fall your way, you know, but we, we got close, but um. Eighty-five was a terrific team. We, I think, we finished on top of the ladder that year. We were the minor premiers. Yeah, it was a hell of
0: a yeah. side. The Hardy, you know, Daniels, uh, Perser, Edmund, Hawkins, uh, McLean. It was a it was a
2: hell of a side. We had Lully Dablett. Yes. Remember Lully? Yes. I'll tell you a story. Lully, at pre-season because he he used to march to a different drum. Lolly, he was he was brilliant. But, and uh, Mick Moldes was very clever with him because he, he didn't try and make him do everything that we did training-wise. And one preseason game, he wanted to come off a quarter time because he said he was out of petrol. Everyone else was trying to impress him. He, he went off because he's had enough. <laughs> but he was, he was, he was a very fast. Remember how fast he was over oh. the, first, the first 20 or 30? He took off. He ran like a duck, but he was quick. Who's
0: the best player you play with at the, the doggies? Yeah, and I, I, I shouldn't exclude Carlton because that was a bloody really good Carlton side that uh, that you went to uh, off the back of the eighty-two Premiership, Bruce. But who was who was your best player you played with?
1: Um, well, that time um, Kelvin won Brownlow, so yeah. he would have to. Rating up there, and um, uh, Jeff GJ, he was he was probably a, a name there at that particular time. I mean, Bernie first arrived, and uh, you know, Laurie Sandlemans was a good player at that when we when we first arrived. But there were good players. Probably Kelvin was the best performed of those probably years. I was there. Yeah, yeah.
0: Jock, who uh, who was it for you? Let's not
1: forget Dougie Hawkins. Um, oh, that's right, D- Jim. I shouldn't forget Hawk. <laughs> he
2: was <just> a. <laughs> <better.
1: laughs> He was, he was pretty special. If you listen to this
2: podcast, he'll
0: be on the phone to you within about 35 seconds, Bruce Narnhoek. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, he's got your number, ready. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, I mean, I love talk, and I, I like big Andrew Purser, and you know, wonderful players and good friends. There was something about Bernie Quinlan. I used to just love watching and playing alongside Bernie. Now, Bernie, Bernie was a superstar who played for a struggling team, I mean, if that guy was in a Collingwood or Carlton or someone like that, he would just have been un- unstoppable.
0: Yeah. Yeah, very true. How was it like having two sons who played not for the Bulldogs and played in premiership Bruce?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a great, great experience. Um, I mean, I I loved watching them. I still love watching them. I would probably don't watch much for than other footy other than uh, when they play. Yeah. But uh, they've been lucky enough to be at a club at the right time. I mean, Sam may have another chance this year, the way the Swannies are going. But, uh, yeah, I certainly um loved watching them play. Yeah, I'm proud of them, of course. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I remember seeing you at, uh, at uh, Marvel when we were playing the Swans and I think Sam might have kicked five or six that night. He was on fire and you were, you were sort of a little sheepish that night, I must say.
1: Well, yeah, well, it's very difficult talking in front of a grey. Uh, I think it was before <laughs> the game, wasn't it? Uh, your son's playing for the opposition. You have to choose your words very carefully. Yes,
0: and then he goes out and towels us up. It didn't help. Yeah. <laughs> uh, those things happen. Jock, you came back and, and were on the board for a while. What, uh, what sort of sparked that, that interest?
2: Well, um, I had my business up and running um, for quite a few years. I was very busy in that. Um, It was growing steadily. And um, I got approached by the board to replace Rick Kennedy as the football director. And I tossed it up and I thought, geez, I'm I'm very busy. I don't know if I've got the time to commit to that role. But then I thought, you know, I have been critical of the, the management of the club in the past and um, i just thought this was a good opportunity for me to to contribute to the to the club you know it's easy being critical but uh when you get an opportunity to put your hand up i think you should take it i joined the board and i was on the board for uh for 5 years david smorgan was our president and i'm quite proud of that period because i thought our board um, really set the course for the success that the clubs. Um, achieving now, we did a lot. We had the state, federal, and local council together and uh, revamped to the Witten Oval. Um, it was just—it was just a terrific time. I was really pleased to be a part of it, and I'm proud of uh, the outcomes and what it's led to now. How successful and prosperous the club is, and. You know, I I feel uh, great pride that I um, contributed to that. You know, it wasn't easy, but I really believe under the um, the guidance of David, the club has a massive um, debt of thanks for David Smorgon. He was terrific, and I thought I thought our board was terrific. And when I left after five years, um, I really think we righted the ship and, and sent it in the right direction to, uh, to what they've been able to achieve today.
0: What did the uh, twenty sixteen grand final win mean to you, Jock?
2: Yeah, yeah, it was terrific, wasn't it? Just terrific. We, that, that was my point about a bit of luck. You know, when we went into that that final series, we weren't expected to do as well as and the cards fell our way, and and the players took the opportunity, and uh, it was terrific. I I went to a function on the Friday before the game at um, Peter Gordon's, and that was that was great. You know, we're all had our fingers crossed. But then my father-in-law was very ill, and he, he's a long-time bulldog supporter. So I actually drove home and watched the grand final with him. So I didn't actually go to the game; I, I went back and spent the day with him. And he died about four weeks later to see another grand final. Yeah,
0: it's oh, lovely. It's a yeah. lovely memory. How do you feel about the 2016 grand final,
1: Bruce? As I said, Kevin, um, the Reed family, are, uh, all parts of the Reed family, are mad bulldog supporters. So, and I was as a kid growing up too. So, uh, yeah, it was a good, great day for the club. That, that's for sure. So, uh, it was great to see. And um, you know, I got phone calls, even though I, you know, a long time since I'd been at the club, just uh, with guys who follow Footscray having a bit of a chat about it too. And uh, so, yeah, it was it was a great day for the club.
0: Yeah. I wanted to ask you your time at Carlton. I was reading about. I thought, did you uh, did you have a a brain fade at Carlton when you were reported for striking Ronnie Andrews? (laughs) Was that was that was that a moment (laughs) in time you went, what the bloody hell am I doing this? What's going on? Have I lost my mind completely?
1: The funny thing is, um, Jim knows this that uh, Billy Berry was a good friend of uh, of uh, Ronnie, and um, I'd been to a few social things with him before that anyway, so I knew him. So it was wasn't sort of a spiteful thing. I think he was. we, I've been to social things with him private through Billy Berry and and Jim. I think it went went along as well. But uh, I knew I knew uh, uh, Ronnie. So yeah, I did. I gave him a bit of clip, but he gave me like, <laughs> mine was already mine was always retaliation, Kevin. I was, <laughs> I was never the initiator. Okay, uh, that's <laughs>
0: your story, and you stick and do it, Bruce. <laughs> Hey, um, it's been great catching up with you both. The uh, uh, Terrific uh, to, to have you on the on the Two Dogs podcast. I know you both sort of went and played at other clubs and stuff, but uh, good to see that the red, white and blue still pulses through the veins in uh, as much as it possibly can. Lovely talk to you both. Take
1: care. Good on you, mate. Good on you, mate.
0: Well, thanks to Jim and to Bruce for their time. Uh, two great characters around the club and uh, two faces that we like seeing at the footy, and we hope we will see uh, plenty of them. Uh, in the coming season. So, uh, of course, uh, 2022 over and done with, but the big uh, end-of-season function is coming up. I know uh, Ross and the committee are very keenly uh, putting all that together with a terrific lineup of uh, of talent uh, for that day. Looking forward to that. And, of course, uh, all the news that you need to know is in the newsletter. And, of course, jump on the uh, on the club website and you'll find out what's going on around the place too. Once again, thanks to uh, Dave Boxall, uh, Justin Whitford, Dave Marsh and Noel Pearce and their companies for their great support. Uh, and, again, uh, on behalf of everyone involved in the past players, thanks for your support of this podcast series. We'll keep it going. Uh, and also uh, thanks to uh, Ross Abbey and the team, uh, the Committee of the Past Players and Officials Association for a terrific 2022 season. Go one better in twenty twenty-three, won't we? Go the doggies. But you can't beat
1: the